we're continuing in our study in, in uh, 1 Peter. And so you can go on and turn your Bibles there. We're moving like snails through here, but it's okay. And so we are in the second chapter now. How about that? We're, we're moving on to chapter 2 tonight. I want to read the first six verses. I think we're going to get through half of that tonight, okay? <laughs> but y'all turn with me and read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming is unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. He also is livelier or living stones, or built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believeth on Him shall not be confounded or not be ashamed. And so, we're going we're gonna to begin speaking about this tonight. And we're going to talk about where it says these things in verse 1, to lay aside, and then verse 2, as newborn babes, to desire the milk of the Word. Okay? And the fact is that we are part of the family of God. So we're going to talk a little bit about being babes. We might just skim over that. But you know, all through the Bible, we see that relationship, right? We see the relationship of God being God, and we are the children of God. And He's our Father, and we can call Him Father. Our study in prayer, right? We've talked about uh, being able to approach the Lord as our Father. Now you think about that in other religions, even if you're not an expert, nor am I, in, in other world religions, I don't believe that there's religions where they really can call, genuinely call the God that they worship their Father. We, we know He's our Creator. But when we're born again, we're born of the Spirit of God, and we're actually birthed into a new family. You know what I'm looking at the the Powell family over here. Okay, they're born into a, a family. They're part of that family, and we're, we're we're born again. Jesus said, "Except a man is born again, he's not going to see the kingdom of God." Right? Not going to see the kingdom of heaven. And so, when we didn't just join a religion, I know I say it all the time. We did not just sign up to a, a religion. We didn't just sign up to say, "You know, I'm going to try this for a while." I'm going to change my behavior. I'm going, to, I'm going to adopt this set of beliefs about this deity that I say I worship. And I'm going to follow that path in the way that religion does for a while. That's not what happened to us. We, by faith, were quickened and awakened to our sinful state. Amen. The Lord, the Holy Spirit, is the one who revealed that to us by His Gospel. Somebody brought the Gospel to you. Whether it's a TV preacher or your parents, or somebody brought the Gospel to you. And that quickening Word of Jesus opened our eyes and illuminated us, and we repented. We didn't know all the terms, but we turned to the Lord for salvation, Him alone. And when we did that, that's all we're thinking of doing. Turn, Lord, please forgive me. Please you know, save me. Please deliver me, O wretched man that I am. Have mercy upon me in grace. I know that You died for my sins. I know You rose again. I know You're the only Savior, the Son of God. I turn my life to You. Save me now, Lord. I confess that I'm a sinner. We're doing that while we're doing that. 
The Holy Ghost is saving us. In other words, the Holy Ghost is sealing us. And there's a new life that's birthed in us. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. We became part of the family of God at that time. And so I want you to turn with me in your Bible. Just keep, uh, keep your spot marked in, in 1 Peter 2 and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. A familiar passage there. And then we're going to move on with this thought a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The end of the chapter, the last two verses. 17 and 18. <clears throat> excuse me. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you. There's many scriptures similar to this, okay? This is the one that I thought of the Lord showed me today. I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. These are simple truths, but they're powerful truths, and we need to let them sink in a little bit. I didn't just join a church. I got born into a family. I got born from above. I got born into a heavenly family. We are of Adam's race, but now we're of the second Adam's race. You know, born again by the Spirit of Almighty God. We literally are partakers, this word says in 2 Peter, of His divine nature. <laughs> Joining a religion doesn't do that. Coming to know Christ does that. Partakers of His divine nature. So back in, in uh, 1 Timothy 2, I mean 1 Peter 2, we see as the lay these things aside, we'll get back to those things that we lay aside in just a moment. But as newborn babes, we are to desire or crave the sincere, sincere milk of the Word. This world, if you want to look at it this way, for the oldest among us and the youngest among us, for the newest convert to the oldest saint that's been walking with the Lord, all of us, this world is just like our, our nursery, so to speak. It's like our training ground. We're babes in Christ. We're growing and we should be growing. But even the most mature of us is still not complete. We're not completely what we're going to be in Jesus. We talk about that all the time. That's one of the reasons, one of the great reasons that we're here tonight again. If the Lord tarries, we'll be here Sunday morning. We'll come for Sunday school. We'll come back for Sunday prayer. You know, in the, in the baptism service and so forth. Um, because we're babes. That is a right description of us. It's not an insult. It's just a truth. Um, and so, we, uh, we have the earthly examples that are such wonderful parables almost of family having a, ba a birth, you know, having a baby born into their family. And then we watch the child grow up before our eyes, slowly but surely, right? We, we watch them grow up. They are a babe. That's not an insult. They're supposed to be a babe when they're first born. But the Lord is bringing us about, and that one of the things that the Word of God that we're to crave, He talks about, one of the things His Word teaches us is a real humility, that we understand that, uh, that we're not all that, even in Jesus. We're everything He says He is, but we're not all that we are supposed to be and are going to be. There is a work that's ongoing. It, there is. Our church, this church, come uh, first week of June, that's going to mark a one-year anniversary. We ought to look back in all of our lives. Every single one of us ought to look back over the, the year and see there, must, there should have been some measure of growth, right? Amen. Some measure of progress. Now we see the, I mean, the older ones of us, we're not growing anymore. We're just shrinking a little bit, okay? But the younger ones, we ought to be able to look and uh, maybe it's imperceptible, you know, and 
we ought to be able to testify that I'm not nearly what I'm going to be. There's not a maxed out point. There is with our physical bodies. Praise the Lord. Uh, but there's not a maxed out height or growth of stature in our Christianity. So I'm saying over the, the year that we've been together and over the last five years of Christianity, ten years, however long you've been saved, some have just recently come to the Lord. And I thank the Lord for it. But even in that time, that short time, we should be growing. We're babes, and the Bible says when we see Him, we'll be like Him, for we'll see Him as He is. And I believe that's, you know, comparing Scripture to Scripture, that that is going to be when at the time of the rapture, the last thing that's going to be changed is our bodies. We'll have an incorruptible body like the Lord's glorious body. And I think whatever remaining character flaws you would say or weaknesses where we haven't measured up in our nature to Christ, I believe that's going to be changed. When, we'll see, when we see Him, we'll be like Him. And so, but between now and then, y'all, we're to be growing. And, and the Word of God ought to teach us that humility. David said in the Psalms, Therefore, I do not exercise myself in, in great matters or things too high for me. You know what he's saying? He didn't just boast of things that were beyond him. He kind of knew who he was and he stayed who he was. And we need to be careful of that. So I think the Word of God uh, teaches us that humility. Amen? And the Word of God also teaches us hope because if we have the relationship with God being our Father, then which we do, the Word of God tells us that, I can look around at the fathers in this room and there's not, including myself, not, no one that is perfect or has been a perfect father. But I do know that every father in here loves their children and desires to care for them and mothers as well. But we're talking about God being our Father in this illustration. So if we, in an earthly sense, know how to love and care for and tend to our children's needs and wants, and we love them and we're patient with them, which we are, how much more will a perfect Heavenly Father? You know what I'm saying? We ought to have hope. We ought not be discouraged. In other words, if, if uh, one of the little children in here got sick, is the parent going to be angry at the child because they're sick? No, they're not going to be angry with them at all. They might be uh, tired. It might be hard to tend to them or take care of them. But there's nobody that would actually be angry and like blame the child because they've got the flu or the strep throat or something like that. And, and so the same thing in our spiritual infirmities that we have. I'm talking about as Christians. The setting sin that keeps keeps pulling us back, okay? Uh, fears that we have when God says trust me and we don't trust Him fully, but we're still His child. We do trust Him, and then you know the Lord says I've showed my faithfulness, and then we still doubt Him. You know, down the road a little bit, He's not angry at us. He's angry at the sin, but He's not angry with us. He doesn't say that's it. I've had enough, Amber. I'm done with you. That's it. You've doubted me one too many times. You know, Randy, you've committed this sin one too many times. So if our earthly fathers are going to be patient and love us, they're not going to get angry with us when we're sick. Well, God's not going to either. It ought to just drive us to the Lord. And so there's a reason that the Bible gives this description of father, sons and daughters, God the Father. 
we're part of His family and sons and daughters. Like I said, other religions, I don't, I'm not an expert. Maybe some others might use that phraseology when they talk about it, but I don't know of any. And I, don't, I know of no other where it's actually true. Okay? Where, where they actually be the sons of God. And so, uh, it would be an insult to the Lord for us to think, well, my earthly parents would be kind and patient and merciful to me, but God wouldn't. And we would never say those words, but we might think it sometime. That God's fed up with me. He's sick and tired of me. I can't go to the Lord for forgiveness about this same sin again. I've been 10,000 times to ask Him to forgive me for this sin or for this fear or doubt. And I said I wouldn't doubt Him anymore. And yet, we think our earthly parents would be patient and kind, but we don't think the Lord would be. And, and He is. Okay, He's going to care for us. He's going to supply every need. But my God shall supply all your needs. All of them. That, a lot of times I think, maybe myself, we think of that being you know, physical things like food and shelter and money. And, uh, all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I think that's comfort when I'm lonely. Like we just sang about. I think it's all of those things that we need wisdom and we don't have a clue. You know, guidance through life and so forth. He's going to guide us. And He's going to help us. And so, uh, this world should teach us our true attitude. I mean, this Word of God should teach us our true attitude towards the Lord. If He's our Father, then we can cast our cares upon Him. We can bring every need to Him and lay it up. Just like we did in that little short time of prayer that we had. Praying for our brothers and sisters that are sick. Praying for our country that's in desperate need of a touch and a move from God. We're, we're coming to the Lord and we're casting it upon the Lord. We'll need to do that over and over. But that's where we, we bring them. We roll those cares upon, upon the Lord. And He's going to direct us, protect us, provide for us. And, uh, and we don't have a clue, like I said, which direction to take. Tell the Lord, I don't have a clue which way, which path to take, what direction to take. He's going to lead us and guide us. Amen. He remembers that we're babes, and we need to be careful not to get so self-sufficient to that we forget that we're babes. Okay. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord, how many years you've ministered in the prisons, how many years you've done this, that, or the other. The next time you go to the prison, you need Jesus. Amen. You need Him just as much as you ever did. How many years have you taught Sunday school? And some of us, you know, preaching more and more like Alberto and William and different people that are preaching more. Uh, the next time they preach or I preach, we're just as dependent upon the Lord. Don't ever, ever forget it. Okay, you might be more comfortable with it. And I'm, I'm glad that maybe we're not as, as nervous as we would have been before. But we're just as dependent upon the Lord. We're still babes. The most mature of us is still a babe. If we plan a big mission trip, and so I've been to Honduras five times. I can tell you all about it. Here's how it's going to be. And yet, when we go, we need the Lord. We need the Lord as much as we did on those other five trips. You know what I mean? And so just that, that's important uh, that we remember that. Amen? And so let's look at our food for just a minute. Looking at our food. As newborn babes, verse 2, desire... That means, uh, that literally means, we've talked about it before, a strong craving. It's not just some little light. I kind of like this. It has to do with somebody that's hungry and needs food. All right? And as a newborn babe, the picture's in your mind. You've got it. And so, in the chapter 1, the Word of God was compared to seed. Incorruptible seed by which a man is born again. 
in this chapter is compared to food, like milk, that nourishes us up. So think about it. The, the same life by which we were saved, the living Word of God, the Bible does say we're saved by the incorruptible Word of God, by faith. That same Word is also going to be our nourishment all through life for the believer, for the saint, for the Christian. This is the food. That's the gospel by which we were saved. That is the food by which God feeds us through our life. Not just the gospel, not just the death, the burial, and the resurrection, but the whole word of God, the whole counsel of God. It's all profitable that the man of God may be what? Mature. Right? So we're talking about his babes growing. God's word is given to us for nourishment. And so, uh, nothing, uh, think about it, there's really nothing, we talk about the inspiration of the Word of God. One of the biggest proofs that God's Word is inspired, rather than having an argument about it, is to actually put it to the test and see. If somebody just prayed last week to give their life to Jesus, and then you start as maybe you're their discipler, okay? You're the one who's going to lead them and help them. And you start bringing them the Word of God, teaching them to read the Bible and how to read the Bible, and watch and see if they don't start to grow. That's how you know that the Word of God is what the Word of God says it is. And it's not just another good book. It is life. The words I speak, their spirit and their life. And so that new believer who got <laughs> saved by the preaching of the Gospel, the foolishness of preaching, saved by grace through faith, and now they start to feed on that Word, and they don't know all the answers, and they don't know everything, but they start to feed on that Word. Watch and see if they don't grow. They absolutely will grow. It's a proof. You know, it's a simple thing, but it's a proof that God's Word is that nourishment, that nutrition for the believer. And, and we watch it. Nothing else is going uh, to do that, going to impart that growth and maturity to that new born-again believer other than the Word of God. He instantly begins to grow. Uh, and as soon as that person's born again, they, they, they desire the Word of God. There is a desire there. You know, they want it. And it's over time, sometimes we lose that desire. But it would be such a, a blessing, y'all. And I believe we're striving to do this. This is not a rebuke at all. But just in a whole, as a whole of Christianity as a whole today, think about how much more, uh, how more, much more blessed the church of the Lord would be, and Christians would be, and how much more uh, mature believers would be if all the garbage was put out and people were just fed the Word. It's not boring. It's not old. It's not old school or whatever you want to call it. It's life. It's the living Word of God. If all the little riffraff and all the little peripheral stuff and out-of-balance things and uh, people following after Christian personalities, if all that was put aside and people were just fed, the rightly divided word. Could you imagine how much stronger the church would be? And I think in other pockets and places in the world, maybe where it's where they're actually persecuted more, you know, there's places where they might be a lot more mature because all they have is the Bible. And they're not exposed to a lot of the other things, maybe as much. But uh, you know, no matter uh, no matter what a person is fed, that soul, that spiritual man is not going to be satisfied with anything else but the Word of God. 
even if they don't realize it. You know what I mean? Even if they're in their, their flesh or their personality, they're latching on to some little nuance in the church, some other uh, a personality, a pastor, an evangelist, a Christian author, a book, a group of friends, and they're kind of latching on to them rather than the Word of God. They might follow that path and it might satisfy their flesh or even soulish to an extent, but their spiritual man is not going to be satisfied with that. They're not. They can talk about all, all the great heights and everything in Christianity, but they're not going to experience it. They themselves won't grow. They're starving to death and don't know it. They're being filled with something else all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's like on these, these uh, third world countries where you know they, they don't not have the access to maybe the healthy foods and things that we do. And they might get... Uh, filled up on some, you know, I'm just picturing it, something something like cotton candy or wood bark or something. I mean, it's like it fills them. It satisfies their hunger for a little while, but they're still starving to death. Their body's not getting the nutrients that it needs to grow. And I think we see that a lot in the church world today. We have to guard each other for that. We have to almost demand it. You know what I'm saying? Not in a rude way, but in like laying hold of it. I'm demanding the Word of God. I'm demanding it. I don't want anything else. I need it. I realize I need it. My flesh may want something else. My ears might want to be tickled sometime by some new thing I've never heard of. Tell me a bunch of funny stories. I'm just down today. I just want to laugh today in church. You know, make me cry. Pull at my heartstrings. I want to sob about something. And it will come and go and we will have laughed or we have sobbed or we have heard a story and maybe some trivia we didn't know before and we leave and we're all hyped up for a while and we're hugging each other and there's this fervor and frenzy and we leave and that spiritual man will still be starving to death mm-hmm. if it's not the Word of God. Amen. We have to demand it of each other and hold each other accountable. Husbands, hold your wives, hold your children, hold each other, friends, accountable. And so... Uh, the reason why so many Christians around us, and I pray it's not us, I would never exclude myself from it, but the, the reason so many Christians in our day are stunted in their growth is because they're always, uh, they're always turning to something else. They could truly be saved, but they're turning to something else that looks Christian to feed them and has maybe a blend, a mixture of some scriptures and some other stuff and they're starving to death. They don't know it because everybody around them is doing the same thing and they think we're doing great. It's the best we've ever been. Look how, look at the wonderful things God's doing and they're starving to death. The Bible says for women for the time you ought to be teachers. Hebrews 5. I'm just paraphrasing it, but you know that passage. You're having, you're having need that, you, that someone teaches you again the first principles. And you become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. But every, every that, everyone that needs milk, he says, is unskillful in the word of righteousness. But you ought to be teaching meat by now. You ought to be feeding yourself on meat. And you ought to be to some place in your walk with Jesus where you can now take what you've been feeding on all your Christian life and start to give it back out to someone else. And it's good and it's true and it's going to nourish them and it's going to help them. And people are, are starving to death in our country spiritually and don't know it, I think. A lot of people don't know it. How, if we don't have a desire for the Word, I mean a real craving, because it says, as newborn babes desire, it's a commandment, he's telling you, as newborn babes desire the milk of the Word, sincere milk of the Word. 
And okay, well, Lord, I know I'm supposed to do that, but I don't really. I like to read my Bible, but almost like I can take it or leave it sometimes. It's not... Uh, or maybe there was a time in your life where you desired it much more. That you'll have to answer for yourself and I'll have to answer for myself. Has it become routine? Has it become old? Or the preaching of the Word, the study of the Word. When's the last time you studied the Bible? And we know we do it together. Sunday school and just like we're doing now. and We study together. But do, when's the last time you studied the Bible? Maybe with your family. Or just said, you know, I want, to, I want to study on fasting. I don't really get it. I don't understand much about fasting. I'm going to study that. And I feel like the Lord's calling me to fast, but I don't understand it. You know what I mean? When's the last time we picked up the Bible and studied? Is there, is, was there a time in your life where you desired the Word of God more than you do? If we have, have you know, if we're, we're like slipped away, so to speak, then how do I increase that? How do I get, get it back? All right? And that's the question. The question, the answer is, uh, to create that appetite, uh, we need to put off these evil things. This is one of the ways. Chapter 2, verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and all envies and all evil speaking. So that to me is just saying if there are things in your life as a Christian, he didn't say they were lost. He's talking to believers, okay, elect, scattered abroad, right? And, and uh, he says, you've got to put these things aside. And there are things that we can allow in our lives that are sinful as believers. I don't believe in sinless perfection in the sense that as soon as we get saved, we'll never sin again. We're perfect in Christ. Experience tells us that. The Word of God tells us that. Okay? That, that to me it doesn't even need to be argued. But the point is, Christians can do all of these things. You know, we can have hypocrisy and malice and guile and envies and evil speaking. And he says, you've got to lay these things aside. It really means put them down. Put them down. The Bible says uh, that by the Spirit of the Lord, we're to mortify these deeds of the body. We have to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit, but He tells us to do it. We don't just lay back and say, Lord, mortify me. You know what I mean? Mortify me. And we get up and go back and do the same things. There has to be something on our part. It says, but if we, by the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, we're going to live. We take hold of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and in prayer and in being filled with the Holy Ghost and we wage war against these things and I'm tired of them being in my life and the Lord, you're tired, tar- Lord, you're tired of them being in my life. They're hindering me. They're holding me back. They absolutely will stop the growth. There's no question about it. This is just a partial list. You understand? Envies and that kind of thing. Uh, these things will absolutely hinder your growth. They're not going to take you. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you've got sin in your life that has to be dealt with as a believer. And if we don't deal with it, it's going to hinder us. And it will rob our desire for the Word. We won't want it as much anymore. We'll want, we'll want a church that doesn't preach the Word so much where we can feel a little more comfortable and feel a little less challenged and feel a little less convicted by the Holy Ghost. Right? I would want that. If I want my sin and want to stay in it, but I still like the thought of being a Christian and wanting to go to heaven and don't consider myself an apostate or, or you know what I mean? I, I want to still want to be part of this thing. But you know what? I, I, my, my desire for the Word, I don't want it. 
The time will come where they won't endure sound doctrine. They'll have it and they don't, won't endure it. They don't want it. They won't put themselves under it. They make a choice to depart and do something else. So one, of, one of those things that has to be dealt with, I don't know if they're in any particular order. If I'm not craving God's Word like I once did or like I should, I need to see, I need to lay some things aside in my life. Are there things in my life that have crept in that I've gotten comfortable with that's sort of like me and my Christianity are compatible with these few little sins? A lot of things I don't do anymore and I'm kind of comfortable still with these little handful of things. Nobody really notices. It hasn't caused me a lot of trouble. I haven't lost Christian friends over it. Nobody's called me down on it. But yet I know in my heart there's envy and there's malice and there's evil speaking that comes out of that. And so these are things that we have to to put off. That's what laying aside means to put off. The literal picture of the word description of the Greek is like changing clothes. Okay, changing a garment. I've got to put these things off. Well, of course we need God to be the strength to do that. But He still tells us, the believer, do it. Do it by the power that I have given you and will continue to give you. By the power of the Holy Ghost. By the power of the resurrected life. By the power of Christ in you. Put these things off, but He's telling us to do it. Okay, And we'll find when those things are put off that it's going to create in us a hunger for the truth and for the Word of God and the things of God. It absolutely will do that. And so just to, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but malice, some of these words here, if you're looking at them in verse 1, malice is, and I like the way this author put it, he says malice is like uh, anger that's sort of cooled down, but it's still there. It's not the hot raging where you just could rip somebody's head off at that moment. That anger is cooled down, but it's still there. It's just present in the heart and, uh, and in the life. It's kind of just sitting there brewing under the surface. And so you've got it, quote, under control. But that's really what malice is. It's like an anger cooled down, but it's still there. It actually rejoices in the misfortunes of others. You know, let's say that uh, you know, Sherry made me really mad, and I've got over time malice in my heart. And then I'm glad when something bad happens to her. And I'd smile and, oh, Sherry, you know, and be all nice and everything. But in my heart, that would be malice. I'm actually glad something bad happened to her. That's wicked, y'all. Okay? But that is, that's what malice is. And believers can have malice in their heart. Don't we need the Lord, amen, to help us and strengthen us? Uh, guile is just trickery or deceit. We understand it's very similar to hypocrisy, which is like concealing beneath the surface something that's kind of hidden. We put the big smile on. They're all kind of similar and go together. Envy actually uh, hates when something good happens to another person. You know, uh, somebody gets a big bonus, a big promotion, a big raise, and we hate it. Oh, congratulations, brother. <laughs> and we're, we're walking away and we're just hating it. Hating it. That's not of the Lord. The Bible says, true love of the Lord is going to rejoice with those that rejoice as though it was you that were blessed with it. And weep with those that weep as though you were going through the same heartache. Alright? That's a wonderful way. There's a real liberty in that, y'all. It's foreign to this world, I can promise you. The world can disguise it and Christians in sin can disguise it as well. But it's in the heart. And the Lord's always dealing with the heart. These will absolutely... Uh, 
curb our appetite for the Word of God. These things have to be put out. Amen? Uh, and a lot of people are so filled with these kind of things, envy and evil speakers and so forth, that they, they, uh, they don't have any room for the Word of God. It, you know what I mean? They just, they're clogged up, basically, filled up with that. That stuff has to be put out, okay? All right, remember, another thing that will increase our appetite for the Word of the Lord is remembering the faithfulness of God in times past. And look at verse 3. We'll skip down there. If so be, you have tasted, that's past tense, that the Lord is gracious. And so he's putting that in context with this passage about the Word of God. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby, if so be that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. So I think recounting as Old Testament and New Testament, David says count your blessings, right? Forgetting not all of his benefits and, and count them and name them one by one. Some of the old hymns say, and we need to remember that His mercy endures forever. And we need to remember specific times in our lives the goodness of God. It needs to be real to us. And sometimes that put, putting these malice and these things aside, any known sin in our life where the Lord exposes hidden things of the heart, laying them aside like changing a garment, the Lord helps us to do that when we confess it. And then also remembering the goodness of God in times past. It's going to help awaken in us a, a desire for the Word of God, for the truth. I need the truth. I need to be exposed. Thank you, Lord. I remember when I used to study my Bible. I don't know what happened. You know, you're thinking back. I used to get up early in the morning and have a wonderful little prayer time and before I started my day in time of devotion with the Lord and in His Word. Somewhere along the way, life got really busy and that got swept aside. I still love Jesus though. You don't understand what I'm saying? We've got to remember the goodness of God and the faithfulness of the Lord. And so, remember that our, your growth depends upon it. Your growth in Christ, my growth in Christ, my spiritual maturity absolutely depends upon feeding upon the Word of the Lord. I can say this without hesitation that nobody is going to grow. No Christian on any country at any time, at any era, any circumstance is going to grow in the fullness of stature of Christ and make spiritual progress and gain new ground apart from the Word of God. I'm talking about a steady intake, a steady diet. This is my food. Your, your food is my meat day and night. Okay? And to feast upon it. And so we have to remember that as well. Not only remember the faithfulness of God in times past, but remember your spiritual growth in Jesus depends upon it. All the parents in here, you would not let your children just live on cotton candy and M&M's. Even though they're stuffed. They're all so full I couldn't eat another bite. So they might be stuffed on ice cream, you know, and corn dogs and stuff like that. And, and, the, and you would make sure that they eat healthy food because you want to see them grow healthy and strong. Our spiritual growth absolutely depends upon it. Now let me ask this. Who in this room does not want to grow? You say, I really don't want to grow. don't want to grow in Jesus. I mean, honestly, we do, right? Everybody wants to grow in the Lord. Not that we're just obsessed with it, but in other words, there's this urge in our lives and our hearts to be more like Jesus. There's a reason in it. I need to grow and be more like the Lord in my love. 
like he loves. I don't love like he loves, but I want to be, I want to love more like he loves, okay? I'm not nearly as patient as the Lord is. This is a fruit of his spirit, but I need to be more patient, and I want to be. Uh, wisdom, revelation, knowledge. You know, we want to grow in all of these things, in our faith. And listen, we're going to grow in proportion. This is not a secret. This is very obvious in the Word of God. We're going to grow in proportion to our study and intake of the Word of God. So you can write it down and highlight it and say, well, I already knew that. You know, but the truth is, we're, we'll, we will grow in direct proportion to not how many praise, you know, concerts you go to, Christian concerts, or things like this. We will grow in proportion to our study of the Word of God. This study could be through a ladies Bible study or a ladies retreat, typically in, in church services, in Sunday school, in a little devotion time with your family, you know, or your husband or your wife, or a friend at school where you sit down at lunch and you study the Bible together for a few minutes. And that's what it's, where it's going to come from. You want to grow, and I want to grow. We all want to grow. But we're going to grow in direct proportion to our study of the Word of God. Love it. Don't let it become boring to you. I don't care what the rest of the Christian world says. I don't care what the governor of California says. You know, his Word abides forever. And I'm, that's, that's where we're going to grow. Read the Bible consistently. And, and I'll say this, and we're coming to a close, but not, not just because you always feel like it or I'll always feel like it. Sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you feel more like reading it than other times. I always love it. You know what I'm saying? But they're honestly, if we're being real honest, because of our hectic schedule, or there's something we really want to watch on TV, or I'm really sleepy, I'm about to pass out, I hadn't read my Bible today, Whatever, there's times we desire it more than others. But those are not, we're not going to be governed by those things. We're not going to be governed by how I feel. The just shall live by faith. So I will open up this Bible and start reading it and start thinking about it prayerfully. Lord, speak to me through your word as I open it today. Give me understanding. You know, let me lay hold on something. My spiritual man, lay hold on something today from your word. We're going to do it by faith because He is, we say it all the time, and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We're seeking God in His Word. We're not going to the Word for the Word's sake, plain and simply. We're going to the Word by faith that we might grow thereby in Christ. All Scripture is profitable for that growth in the life of a believer. Spiritual maturity and completion. And so don't be, we don't, don't be governed um, by our, our our feelings on that, and I know I've heard it myself. I've heard it with my own ears. People in uh, in church before saying, "I didn't read my Bible this week because I just didn't feel like it." And I thought if I did, I would just be doing it in my flesh, and so I'm not really gonna to do it. You know, it's not the Holy Ghost. That's just me trying to please God in my flesh. It's so twisted. You know, all I know is when I go to the Bible, the Bible tells me to read the Bible. Amen. Let's just keep it real simple. It doesn't say if you feel like it, read it. If you don't feel like it, don't. Pray about your reason. And your pray that your desire for His Word will grow. I will grant you that. Do that, but you don't not do it because you've made the call and say, "Well, I think this would be 
an act of my flesh. And the Bible tells me that I'm to live by the Word of God. Go to it, study it, meditate on it, and so forth, right? And let it be your meat and your food. So we need to put that kind of foolishness. That's foolishness. That's confusion. Uh, it's not my mocking. It's just that's, that's not right. You go to the Bible, there's nowhere where that line of thinking is found in the Bible. You won't find it. You will tell yea and amen. The Lord's saying, do it. There's great reward that comes from doing it. Do it. Do it tirelessly. Do it as unto the Lord. Ask God for strength to do it. Ask the Lord for a greater desire to do it. But do it. And He's going to bless you for it. I promise you, He's going to bless you for it. And so, uh, let the, the Holy Spirit be our teacher as we study. And what's going to happen is we're going to come to esteem God's Word more and more. It's just a wonderful circle. It's a wonderful feeding on each other. I feed on the Word of God and I love the Word more. And the more I love the Word, the more I'm going to want to go to it. And it's going to grow me more. The more I grow, the more I'm going to want to read it. And the opposite is true too. The more I neglect it, the less precious it's going to be to me. And I won't go to it as much. And the less I go to it, the colder my heart's going to get to the Lord and to His Word. And the less I'm going to want to be around those Bible thumpers and the holy rollers and all that. And so each one is like a, a cycle, you know, where they, where they feed on, on that. And so uh, I just want to read this scripture. God wants to stir us up to remember these things. These are simple truths, okay? The Lord wants us to know it. Peter said in 2 Peter 3, you don't have to turn there, uh, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. I'm telling you things tonight from God's Word that you've all read before, I'm sure. You've probably read 1 Peter chapter 2 and read these Scriptures and heard other lessons on them at some point in your life. But we're stirring each other up to see the importance of it. It is our growth. We won't grow apart from it. And so there's things we have to put aside and there's things we have to, uh, to incorporate in that appetite for God's Word is going to increase and it's going to grow. And so when we, when we uh, and I'll just close with this thought, when we feast upon the Lord, and that's how we feast upon Him, in prayer, in meditation, sitting with the Lord and in His Word. When we fe- we're feasting upon the Lord, we're going to find quickly that He satisfies. Oh, it's going to be like, thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. I've been running around to everything else, even in Christianity, running around to everything else, eating cotton candy and, you know, in Twix bars. And, and it tasted really good in my mouth, but at the, in the end, it didn't nourish me. It didn't feed me. It didn't sustain me. It didn't satisfy that spiritual man at all. And so when we feast upon the Lord, we find that He does satisfy. He satisfies us by His Word. He feeds us. And, and then we desire it more and more. And y'all, we'd be amazed how quickly we'll grow. He's the one that's going to grow us. It's God that works in you both the will and the do of His good pleasure. He's the one actually growing me as a believer and making me more like Jesus. It's a working of His Holy Spirit. He's the one actually growing you and making you more like Jesus. But He does it as we go in prayer and to the Word consistently. Again and again and again, He's going to always satisfy us. So little children, don't get 
bored, if mom tells you to go read the Bible, whatever, don't fight against it. Say, Lord, speak to me. Go to His Word. Pick it up. Read it. Say, God, I just read it. Uh, help me understand what I just read. Speak to me. What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? You know, whatever it is, He's going to do that. And the Holy Ghost is going to teach us. I'll close with this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. And so, uh, we, we strive to be a church of the Word and a people of the Word because God says in His Word to do that. <laughs> I don't want to be out of balance. Like I said, we don't worship the Bible. We worship the Lord. But that's where He's going to be found. He's going to be found in His Word. He's going to feed us in that way. And so I'm just going to close with that. Dee, if you want to come up. And uh, we're just going to close tonight. Take a few minutes to pray and seek the Lord tonight. And maybe, maybe honestly, y'all, and, and you just have to know for yourself and I have to know for myself. First of all, let's look at, at the first verse. Or is there malice? I'm not asking you to come tell me about it. I'm asking you to get before the Lord and say, Lord, there's envy in my heart. I'm not happy when so-and-so is blessed. I want it to be me instead of them. If that type of thing is in your heart or hypocrisy, confess it to the Lord. Ask Him to forgive you, but also ask Him to change your nature and character to where that's not a, a repeated part of your life. It's not a pattern of your life. You want that heart to be pure, without guile and sincere. And then also, secondly, if, if your appetite for the Word of God, you don't long for it. You know you're supposed to, and you should say amen at the right times. You know all that. But honestly, in your heart of hearts, you don't desire it the way you should. I'm not pointing a finger. Go to the Lord for help. It's a vicious circle. You're going to drift. I promise you're going to drift. And you're going to find yourself way out there, away from the Lord somewhere. There's not a substitute for, well, I'll make up my, my lack of hunger for God's Word with something else. A lot of Christian CD music I'll listen to all the time. That's wonderful. But it won't make up for your intake of this daily. Okay, and regularly. So go before the Lord and say, God, and you might love, absolutely be on top of the world and, and really walking closely with the Lord and say, God, I want to stay here. I want to, I want to, uh, don't let my hunger for your, your word decrease or increase in God even more. And that's another thing. If he satisfies us, but at the same time, He increases our appetite where we want more. And then He satisfies that. And then He increases our appetite where we want more. And so we're kind of desperate for the Lord. Then He'll satisfy that. That's a good thing. It keeps us moving on. It keeps our eyes on the Lord. It keeps us hunger, hungry for the Lord and growing in Him. So Father, we just come before You.